Friends, you may be seated. In the late 1940s, Andrew Vanderbilt was approaching manhood and he was looking for adventure. He wanted out of the small village in the Netherlands where he grew up. And so Andrew joined the colonial army and headed off to Indonesia, or what was known at that time as the Dutch East Indies, while the Indonesian National Revolution was taking place. Before long, Andrew had killed not only enemy soldiers, but he was involved in a massacre of innocent villagers. He hated what he had done, and like many of his fellow soldiers, he turned to heavy drinking as a way to temporarily forget and to try to ease his mind and his conscience. It wasn't until Andrew was injured and removed from battle, staying in an infirmary run by Catholic nuns, that he turned to another source for comfort, the Bible that his mother had given him. Reading the Bible stirred something in him leading him to face head on what he had done while still giving him hope. When he returned to his rural village in the Netherlands, he began attending church services as often as he could. He ultimately gave his life over to Christ and he felt called to be a missionary. In his 20s, Andrew began visiting communist countries and seeking out Christians there. And in his visits, he learned that Bibles were hard to come by, even for pastors. And so Andrew began a ministry of smuggling Bibles into communist countries. The thing is, Andrew did not try very hard to hide the Bibles he was carrying. They were not hidden under the dashboard or in the roof of his car. They were in boxes, suitcases, sometimes even in plain sight. When he crossed the border into communist countries, thorough inspections of vehicles was routine. Sometimes the Bibles were clearly exposed, but he silently prayed that the Lord would blind the eyes of the border guards or somehow make them overlook what they saw. Time and time again, Andrew was able to pass through the borders without having to surrender his precious cargo. How was it that he and his colleagues in ministry were able to accomplish this time and time again, right under the noses of the Soviet empire? How were they able to carry out this impossible task? How could this be explained? How indeed? This was the same kind of question that the people in Jerusalem were asking on the day of Pentecost some 2,000 years earlier. Crowds of people from all over the known world gathered in Jerusalem for a Jewish festival, and they were witnessing something that seemed impossible to them. What had shocked them was a group of Galileans, who were speaking in various languages that the people could understand. 
Now, Galilee was not known for its sophistication or its language schools, and yet here were Galileans speaking in a way that people from the east, like residents of Mesopotamia, and those from the west, like visitors from Rome, and even those from Asia and Egypt could understand in their native tongues. It didn't make sense. Luke writes in the Acts of the Apostles, all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Indeed, what did it mean? What was happening? How does one begin to explain the unexplainable? We know from reading the Gospels that Jesus' followers were ordinary men and women. They came from all walks of life, fishermen, tax collectors, prostitutes, anti-Roman operatives, all kinds of people. People who received healing and forgiveness from Jesus. The people gathered in Jerusalem for the Pentecost festival they had every right to be shocked. But imagine how Jesus' own followers felt. Listen again to the amazing events of that day from Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all gathered in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues from heaven, there came a, I'm sorry, divided tongues as a fire appeared on them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Imagine experiencing that. The sudden rush of violent wind filling the house, the divided tongues of fire, and then being filled with the Holy Spirit as a new language poured from your lips. How could you even explain it to yourself? It was a blessing that the Holy Spirit brought to Peter's mind the prophecy of Joel as he began to address the crowds in Jerusalem. Peter said to them, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. This long-awaited event, prophesied hundred hundreds of years ago, had now arrived. The Spirit of God, who throughout the ages had come upon certain individuals at particular times in particular places for particular purposes, was to be poured out on the young and the old, on men and women, on the rich and the poor. And that move of the Holy Spirit was what they were experiencing that day in Jerusalem on Pentecost. Why was it happening then? Jesus had told his disciples before his arrest that he was going to the Father. He said to them, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever, 
This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides in you and he will be in you. Now last week, we remembered together Jesus's ascension into heaven. After giving his life as a sacrifice for the sins of the world and then rising from the dead on the third day, conquering hell, sin, and death, Jesus made appearances in his resurrected body over 50 days, appearing to many, and then he ascended. After his ascension, he was no longer with his disciples in the same way. They could not see him and talk with him as they once had. But he had promised them another advocate, the Holy Spirit, and they were waiting in Jerusalem for him. It had been 10 days since Jesus' ascension, and they were prayerfully waiting together. This was the appointed time for the Spirit to come. He was here to guide them into all truth and to fill them with the power to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the nations. Jews living in various nations were gathered in Jerusalem for Pentecost. This was the perfect opportunity to jumpstart the church. And reaching this multilingual crowd was no problem for the Holy Spirit. Once they were filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus' followers could easily cross language barriers. And so on the day of Pentecost, about 3,000 people responded to the gospel message and were baptized. In less than 24 hours after the Holy Spirit was poured out, the church was growing exponentially. And these people who were baptized, they were going to be going back to where they came from, casting the seed wider, telling others about Jesus. But perhaps the most amazing thing about what happened on Pentecost is that it kept happening. Once the Holy Spirit was poured out in Jerusalem, he kept being poured out in more and more places, on more and more people. Now granted, the outpouring was not always as dramatic as it was on Pentecost. But the point was not the spectacle, but the indwelling of God in human hearts as people received God's saving love through Jesus Christ. In the Acts of the Apostles, Luke recounts the Holy Spirit being received by Samaritans in Samaria, Gentiles in Caesarea, believers in Ephesus. And then the Holy Spirit continued to show up in Philippi, Corinth, Thessalonica, Rome, Egypt, India, Europe, Africa, Asia, the Americas, and on and on and on. When in the last century, the Holy Spirit wanted to get the word of God to those living under Soviet rule, he made sure to get a Bible in the hands of Andrew Vanderbilt, who became known as Brother Andrew, author of the book God's Smuggler. After using the Bible to draw Andrew to himself, 
the Lord placed a desire in his heart to bring Bibles to those who needed them. The Holy Spirit would open the doors to those countries and would see to it that the Bibles were not confiscated by border guards. That same Holy Spirit, who came as a violent wind and tongues of fire 2,000 years ago, who brought the word of God to people living under communism, that same spirit is at work today. This room contains people with testimonies of how the Holy Spirit has done the impossible, freeing us from our addictions, healing us of our diseases, convicting us of our sins, giving us the grace to receive forgiveness through Jesus Christ. He has spoken to us directly through God's word. He has even led us to be in worship today, right here, right now. Friends, the Holy Spirit is among us. There is so much more he would like to accomplish in us and in our world if we will open ourselves to him as those early Christians did at Pentecost. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, breath of God, breathe afresh on us today. We confess our deep, deep need for you and your grace in our lives. Meet us in our brokenness. Heal us from our infirmities. Apply the redeeming work of Christ to our hearts and to our lives. That we would walk in the freedom of holiness. Ignite us with your holy fire that we would see visions of your glory and dream dreams of Christ's salvation for all the world. Put words in our mouths that we would speak of Jesus and his saving love to those around us. Fill us, Holy Spirit, with yourself. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Move in power. We receive you afresh today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.